since I just came back from the sacrament of confession, I guess it's appropriate to say T-G-I-F. <laughs> thank God I'm forgiven. Nah, you Amen. thought I was going to say thank God it's Friday. No, 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 no. Nope. My name is uh, Jesse Romero. I'm the Latin lover of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Latin lover of Our Lady. And Terry. I'm Terry Barber, the Lebanese lover of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the Lebanese lover of Our Lady also. And we're a team. You know what we call it? We call it Team Jesus. That's right. Why? Because that's what our whole focus is all about. And just today, it's interesting. This is going to be amazing. There's a liberal talk show host, Bill Maher, who I don't normally agree with anything, okay? Yeah. But he's got something about, he's saying, there's an awakening about the COVID-19 pandemic that he's starting to say, hey, wait a minute. We've been duped. President Bush, uh, President Biden said that, you know, if you get vaxxed, you'll never get uh, COVID-19. Oh, that's check mark. There's about 30 check marks of, of misinformation from people. And now they're starting to come out. People like even NBR star uh, you, you, in L.A., uh, Shaq O'Neal, the great center for the Lakers. He's saying, wait a minute. People shouldn't be forced to take something they don't want. Well, you know, he's a little late telling us that. But, you know, more people are coming out because we're realizing more and more that we're being duped. And we'll get into that. Also, Jesse, you've been using this term gaslighting, gaslighting. Ga- We're going to actually, you know, get into what exactly is gaslighting so that folks can understand when you're being gaslighted because sometimes you don't know. You're going, well, what's going on here? And then we're also going to, this is my favorite part of the show because there's new evidence demonstrating that there's a strong correlation of happy, happier society when they have more children between happiness and large families. And, you know, we knew this, okay, but we've already, we had to go through an experiment. We found that a childless couples, okay, that are contracepting, they get a little older and they're, boy, are they in trouble, not just with their happiness, but they, their focus in life has just been all about me, myself, and I, and they realize it. I've talked to these people, they're baby boomers like me, and they go, we've been duped. Well, all of this and much more in today's show. Also, Jesse, I want to make a real quick plug somewhere about this weekend's event in Scottsdale with your uh, protest in the sense of prayerful protest. So I want to get into that just a little to remind people to be praying. We have people in our chapel that are going to be praying in our chapel the same time you're praying in Arizona. Oh, that's awesome, Terry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the Temple of Satan, they're coming to Scottsdale, Arizona which is in the Diocese of Phoenix, and they're going to come for the first time ever. They're going to have a satanic three-day conference. They've never done this before. This is the first time. So they feel emboldened. They feel more brazen. I think they do so, Terry, because they're annexed to the, the Democrat Party. Yep. So I think they feel they have political coverage. And they're also annexed to Antifa and Black Lives Matter. So they also have uh, boots on the ground, so to speak. Yeah. And well, so they're, they're, they're coming out of their foxhole. They feel comfortable. Catholics from all over the country, specifically Catholics here in Phoenix, we're going to go and uh, do three days of prayers of reparation. Nine nine hours of prayer, 12 to 3, 12 to 3, 12 to 3, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the time that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was dying for our sins on the cross. We're going to be praying prayers of supplication, prayers of of, uh, petition for reparation for the sin that they're committing inside the Saguaro Hotel. Also, we're going to be begging God for the grace of conversion, the grace of salvation would fall upon them. And we're also going to be praying, Terry, prayers of protection for the city of Scottsdale and ourselves. Awesome. And people, what Jesse's asked all of us who can't be there, I'm going to be on my retreat praying. Uh, But he asked everybody at your own parish, or even if you can't get to a church, 
at that time, whatever the time zone that you're in, be praying for this success and praying for the conversion of all those sinners that are Satanists. And also pray, I want to also pray that just people who are blinded by the world, the devil, and the flesh, that they will see that what's going on here, you'll see good and evil. Because sometimes that also helps people see that they're in a spiritual battle. They don't know it if we're not fighting. And that's what Jess and the crew are doing out there. All right, Jess, let's get some soul food in us, brother. You got it, Terry. Uh, Today's gospel, it's very short, a lot of spiritual warfare Mm -hmm. theology. Yep. It's... uh, The Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 7, verses 24 to 30, and it reads, Jesus went to the district of Tyre. He entered a house and wanted no one to know about it, but he could not escape notice. Soon a woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit, that's a demon, heard about him. She came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to drive the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied and said to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's scraps. Then he said to her, For saying this, you may go. The woman, the demon has gone out of her, of your daughter. When the woman went home, she found the child lying in bed and the demons gone. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, Tyre and Sidon were two Phoenician cities that uh, today we call a modern-day Lebanon. That was the nor- northern Palestine back then. Uh, there was a there was a Gentile city. So this was a Gentile woman. She was not even a Jew, and she's approaching the Messiah. And uh, what does Jesus mean when he tells her, when when he says these words, "Let the children be fed first? What does he mean by that? He means the children of Israel, they hold first uh, first claim to the blessings of the new covenant. But it's after the resurrection of Jesus Christ that now the, the gospel is systematically proclaimed to all the nations. Now Gentiles, like myself, are brought into the covenant. We also see the term dogs. The, the word dogs is often a derogatory term in the Bible. Uh, that's uh, what the Jews used to call the uh, Gentiles, goim. And also, Jesus uses, he's uses this to illustrate the progress of the gospel. In other words, just as children are fed before pets, so the gospel is offered to Israel first before the Gentiles, and the Syrophoenician woman's acceptance of this, in this epithet, it reveals her humility and her unwillingness to be turned away. It reveals also her perseverance. And we also see here that the that this woman, this mother, shows you the fourth commandment in power, honor thy father and thy mother, uh, the natural law power of a mother, and, and the spiritual divine positive law of a mother. She does a prayer, uh, what's called a deprecatory prayer, which is another way of saying a prayer of supplication. Notice she doesn't lay hands on, uh, on the top of her daughter, you know, just like it's taught in Pentecostal and charismatic Catholic circles. She's not doing that, putting her hand on her top of her head and saying, I order you. No. She's asking Jesus. It's called a prayer of supplication or a prayer of petition. She asks Jesus if he can remove the demon and cast the demon out from her daughter. And Jesus, uh, because of her faith, he does, he does exactly what she asks. And, and the Lord drives the demon out. 
That's called a prayer of supplication, prayer of petition. That's why as Catholics, I recommend everybody praying the Auxilium Christianorum prayers every night before you go to bed because those those are deliverance prayers, but they're written in a deprecatory style, so they're safe for all lay Catholics to pray. Well said. And Jesse, this gospel inspired my friend Fidel Jimenez. His daughter was dying of cancer, leukemia. She was only three months old. And he took the baby to Father Aloysius, a very holy priest here in Los Angeles. His cause is up for canonization. This man was like a Padre Pio to us. And when he met uh, Father, he was at the end of his life, and he knocked on the door of the rectory. The lady that answered the door said, no, Father's very sick because he just had a heart operation. He can't see you. And Fidel said, no, I need to see Father Aloysius right now. Well, Father heard the commotion. He went down. He said, Fidel, what can I do for you? He said, Father, my daughter, she's dying. The doctors told me there's nothing we can do. Would you pray over my daughter? Because I, I know with your prayers that if it be God's will, that my daughter would be healed. Well, Father said, you have much faith. Come here. He prayed for the young three-month-old baby that there would, the cancer would be removed if according to God's will. And by golly, Jesse, that little girl now is a bride of Christ at Mother Lily's. She's a full-pledged nun Unbelievable. here in Tecate, Mexico, and I've known her wow. all my life. Why do I say that? Because, Jesse, these are miracles that take place, and the miracles are still taking place today. Yeah, when you ask Jesus in humility and you're in a state of grace— yep. And your prayers are precise. You're asking specifically. Right. You're not saying, you know, saying something like nebulous, like, uh, you know, I want to, uh, uh, yeah, I want to convert, uh, you know, uh, everybody in China. Yes. You're very specific. You're saying, Lord, heal my daughter from demonic possession. Yes. That's what I'm asking you for. And that's when the prayer is most powerful because uh, who said that? Our Lord said that to St. Faustina. He goes, I want you to be specific with me when you ask me. Be specific. Well said. Let's bring the smartest guy in. Full Sheen ahead. Here's just one little short paragraph. Listen to what Sheen says. It was not so many years ago. uh, Here it is. Yes, I'm sorry. I got the wrong one that I wanted. Here it is. He says, if love of God and neighbor become a habit of the soul, we are developing heaven within us. And he says, the difference between earth and heaven will be that the acorn and the oak. Grace is the seed of glory. But if hatred and evil become the habit of the soul, then they will be developing hell within us. Hell with will be related to our evil life as death to poison. In heaven, there will be no faith, for there will be that we will see God. In heaven, there will be no hope, for then we will be possessed of God. But in heaven, there will be charity, for love endureth forever. That's a paragraph taken from Bishop Sheen's book that Father Hardin put together called Catholic Wisdom. I'll tell you, love of God, Fulton Sheen sure know how to talk about that in neighbor. Become the habit of the soul, and we're developing heaven within us. Jesse, Jesse that's what you guys are doing, really, on the weekend. That's yep. it, Terry. That's it. And we're, yeah, we're, and we're doing what our Lord says in Matthew 28, 19. Go out there and make disciples of all nations. Absolutely. Hey, when we, when we come back, Bill Maher, I have something that I like that he said. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I do, because... His eyes are opening. I think more people are seeing the last two years have been a joke in the sense of hiding the truth from us. You're listening to The Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to The Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, 
here's Terry and Jesse. You know, I never thought, Terry, that you and I would be agreeing with uh, oh, yeah. Bill Maher on anything. I mean, you know, yeah. he's a pretty committed leftist. Yep. But, Terry, common sense uh, is, is starting to become apparent with even a lot of people that are liberals and on the left. I agree. Bill Maher is blasting the pandemic misinformation. He's calling it misinformation. You and me have been saying this for two years. I know. Welcome to the club, Bill Maher. Yeah. He's calling the pandemic misinformation spread by health officials. He delivers a laundry list of things the medical industrial complex got wrong. And Terry, I, I welcome him to uh, the world of common sense because he does have he does have a big pulpit. So we, I have oh, I'm, to, oh, I'm we excited. Ha- yeah, we have to acknowledge that. Yeah. And so uh, uh, the, he's a liberal talk show host, in case you don't know who we're talking about. But he's had an awakening about the COVID-19 pandemic in recent months. Uh, Bill Maher ripped the, me- the legacy media for scaring the poop out of people over COVID-19. Yep. He slammed those on the left. I mean, he, he actually used that word. On the left, he said that. Good. Who politicized the anti-parasitic drug ivermectin, which, what basically what uh, healed me. Uh, Bill Maher skewered pain in the behind blue states for stringent COVID-19 restrictions while praising red states as a joy. <laughs> unbelievable. This guy, this guy sounds like Terry Barber and Jesse Romero. <laughs> I know, man. I'm like, give me a break. B- Bill Maher was trashing Democrats for pandemic rules that he classified as mindless bureaucracy. <laughs> and all this was said, by the way, on his latest episode of Real Time with Bill Maher. I don't watch it. Uh, every now and then somebody will send me c- kind of a, a little statement that he's made on YouTube and uh, you know, sometimes I'll, you know, if, if he says something good, I'll acknowledge it like this time. But, yeah, he's a left-leaning political commentator. He's taken on the medical industrial complex over things that they have gotten wrong in the past and during the COVID-19 pandemic. And Bill Maher urged that, quote, we focus on helping the vulnerable stay safe and let the rest of us get back to living normal Can lives. Can I repeat that que- that point? That's what yeah, we've been we- saying for a long yep. time. We're focused on helping the vulnerable, the elderly, those who have got compromised systems, stay safe. And let the rest of us get back to work, is what I call it, living normal lives. That's the biggest mistake we made, in my humble opinion, right there. And, and also, who the heck are they to tell us to close our churches, Jesse? Nobody has a right to tell us to close our churches. No one. Terry, you know something? I have a lot of respect. There's this one pastor out here in Phoenix, Arizona, He's in St. Anne's Catholic Church, uh, oh, yeah. and, and his name's Father Sergio Fita. Uh-huh. He's got an incredible reputation for holiness. You know, it's it, amongst priests, they talk about the, oh, yeah. the, 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 the real yeah. prayerful holy ones. Well, he's got that reputation out here. In fact, priests that I know, they go to confession to him. Makes sense. Yeah, and, and I know, uh, yeah, most of the chancery office, the, the, the people in uh, the upper echelon of the diocese, they go to him for confession. Uh, he does like, you know, eight hours of confession, like, you know, uh, 10 hours of confession a, a, a week or even longer. He'll stay as long as people are just c- keep coming in and people come in from over the valley. But here's the point. On YouTube, he said this. Yeah. He said, um, I apologize to all of you for having to close down the church. He says, if the government or, or even he, the diocese ever asked me to do this again, uh, Father Sergio Fita says, I will just have to step down rather than close down the mass. God love and, him. In other words, Terry, this pastor, his conscience is so well formed yeah. that he's saying, um, nope, I'm never closing down the mass again. I'm not playing this game. Nope. 
Uh, if the government tells me, if the diocese tells me to close it down, I'd rather step down as a pastor, but I'm not going to stop the sacraments, he says, because I was forced to give stones rather than bread to my children. You know, Jesse, I'm glad Bill Maher is doing this now, but I must say it's a little about two years late, or at least a year late. It seems that more people are coming out and saying this now because things are winding down, but you realize the cost and the price people pay, like us and others, to call this out as um, you know being wrong for the for them to control us with this. It's it's nice that they're doing this, Jess. I'm glad, but I think it's a it's a little late. And I'm I mean I'm all for everybody coming around and saying it. But think about what he what would have happened to Bill Maher if he had said that a year ago. Uh, no, I don't think he yeah. would have the same. No, no. A year ago, yeah, things right, would have been Senator. a little different because he would have been told, hey, you're not part of the narrative. He would have paid a terrible price. Now, not so much. Yeah, yeah I think you're right, Terry. I think... Uh, They're going to say it now. I, I, I think he's, he figures, well... Safe. He probably He's probably agreed with it for a long time, yeah. but he feels he's probably on safe ground right now. Yeah, at the end of it. Yeah. That's so, all I'm uh, saying. I'm, I'm giving him credit, Jess, but I'm also qualifying it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. Uh, yeah, Bill Maher, he's urged that we, quote, focus on helping the vulnerable stay safe and let the rest of us get back to living normal lives. Maher's also referenced numerous European nations yeah, like England and Europe. that have loosened or ended their pandemic restrictions. Right. Uh, he's, he's also, yeah, Terry, he's also, I mean, uh, he's uh, criticized his own party. He's trashed the Democrats yeah, thanks for, the, for the pandemic rules. He's, he's classified the rules as mindless bureaucracy. That's a good term. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that too. And, and, and he called the pandemic limitations that have uh, been put on kids who have a very high COVID-19 survivor rate unnecessary and horrible. Well, I would just call it child abuse and people are going to pay, if not in this life, Terry, in the next life, because a lot of people in positions of power they knew what they were doing, Terry, and they willfully went out to hurt people. Absolutely. The, the last thing Bill Maher basically said, he says, there's always going to be another variant. That's quote, right. Quote. In Live other words, with it. Live with there's it. always going to be colds. Yeah. Okay? There's you always think? going to be flus and viruses. We have to learn to live together and uh, like we've been doing for 246 years. Maher, the last thing he said, Terry, oh, that's worth uh, noting. I think it's important. Yes. He said that he's skeptical of the medical establishment because he has seen how it handled the AIDS e- endemic. And how there was fear mongering that the virus would kill millions. Yeah, that was the big fear that everybody was going to get it. And, you know, it just was disinformation. But you know what else? The, in this article, it talks about uh, President Biden saying this. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. I'm glad he's calling the president out on this because I remember him saying that. Well, I already knew that that was wrong. And now we all do. See, Maher said that the president's remarks, which have been fact-checked and found to be exaggerated. (laughs) And then, Jess, what about the former director of the CDC? This was interesting, too. Yeah, go ahead and share it, Terry. Okay, the CDC, Robert Redfield, believes COVID originated in a lab, and now our intelligence agencies agree it might have. The HBO host continued, but for months on social media, this is what they did. It was banned to even discuss this. See, whatever happened to free... You know, America being land of the free. Look, he says, I'm not saying that the medical establishment isn't trying to figure it out or that they're corrupt, although there's some of them are, of course. But how about just wrong? You know how Fonzie used to say I was wrong, wrong, wrong. These he guys need to he say couldn't it. say it. He couldn't say it. Yeah, 
and, and these guys it. can't and these guys can't say it either. Just like Fonzie. They were wrong about HIV. They're wrong about lockdowns. We see the reports, all of this showing wrong about our kids getting vaccinated, wrong about how you couldn't even get it if you were vaccinated. All this is coming out, Jesse, but it's just, you know what? Uh, a little late, but I hope people realize that we've been duped by this whole ordeal of two years. Terry, uh, we, in the past, we've already had, we've already seen proof that the government has not been able to handle uh, a certain what they would call epidemics or pandemics. Exactly. Uh, Fauci was around Terry in the eighties. Yep. During the AIDS, uh, the AIDS virus when right. it came out, I remember, and he was highly criticized for that, Terry, because he mishandled it. He uh, he's, he's consistent. Yeah, he, he mishandled it and he was criticized. You can look at old articles. Maybe we'll do something next week. I'll pull up an old article. Yeah. But he was lambasted back in the 80s. He, he really uh, uh, did a horrible job with that. And also, Terry, uh, in, in this country, we've had a horrible uh, history when it comes to there, there's a there's a thing called that most people haven't heard of it called the Tuskegee experiment. Yes. And. Uh, this happened in our country. A lot of people don't know about it, that they were testing this, uh, this I forget what type of a, an injection it was. It was a syphilis, if I recall, wasn't That's, it? Yes, yeah, syphilis, Terry. Terrible. They, the black yes. people were being were like rats. Th- there you go. Right. This happened back in ni- about 40 years ago. It happened in, in 1932 where the, it was the Tuskegee Institute, they were trying to record the history of syphilis in the black community. And so what they started doing, they started basically, uh, they started experimenting. Yeah, they started experimenting with black men. Horrible. Uh, with syphilis and stuff, Terry. And this caused again a lot of a lot of people to get sick and to die. We also have another fiasco from 1954 to 1961, where about 100 million Americans also died receiving a polio vaccine that was contaminated with a potentially cancer-causing virus. So all I'm saying is this. In this country, we have a horrible track record when the government steps in and starts saying, roll up your your sleeve, we've got to give you the jab. Terry, we've got a history of of bad decisions having been made by our government, so is it a wonder that a lot of us don't trust them? And by the way, Bill Maher has just joined the group. And you notice that our black brothers and sisters have a very low rate for vaccinations. Why? They have That's, the lowest. They lowest, and it's for a good reason. Yeah, because they remember they remember the way they were ex- experimented on uh, with the uh, exactly. the Tuskegee study of untreated syphilis in black males. They, they, it, it didn't. It was that was not too long ago. No, it was back in nineteen in the nineteen thirties. So they remember this, uh, and and uh, that's why more blacks. Uh, per, per per disproportionately are not receiving the jab than any other nationality or any other race in the, in the country. The, the last thing Bill Maher pointed out in this article about no research that outdoor transmission is likely or common. Uh, and let's face it, um, you, how many people thought that if they go outside to go for a walk with their dog are wearing masks because they think they need to be protected from the virus? I see that all the time. Or some guy riding a bike himself away from anyone and he's got a mask on somehow people were were scared to death to even go out i still know people today jesse that they haven't been outside their home in two years because of the pandemic so-called pandemic because they were so scared that they thought if they went out to get their newspaper or go get a cup of coffee somewhere 
that they might get the vaccine, they might get um, COVID nineteen and die. This is unbelievable. Terry, the word fear. There's an acronym that I've heard. It's, it's uh, it goes like this: Fal- false evidence appearing real. <laughs> That's and good. that dis- and that describes this yep. whole uh, oh, yeah. this whole uh, scandemic pandemic. Yep. It's false evidence appearing real. In other words, the media, day in and day out, yeah. they're all using the same hymn sheet. Yep. They call each other up very early in the morning. Here's what we're going to say today, and a lot of us are calling them out. We're saying uh, there's very few people that die out of, from uh, 99.8 exactly. percent of people survive. I mean, people over 75, you know, they're, or people that have comorbidities. Yeah. And so, again, Bill Maher is not the only leftist, but there's a lot of leftists coming out saying, and they're saying, knock it off. Exactly. We see right through you. You're lying to us, uh, and we're not going to buy it anymore. You got it. Hey, I want to remind everybody, the recordings of the Spiritual Warfare Conference are going to take it off fast. It's going off. You can still get it by going to vmpr.org. And, and getting those recordings and sharing them with your friends or call 877-526-2151. We'll get you those. What's next? Well, what is gaslighting here on the Harry and Jesse show? Stay with us, family. We'll be back after a quick break. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. To join the conversation, call 888 526 2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. This is where we speak the truth in charity. This is uh this is not we're not right versus left, we are right versus wrong. Amen. So what exactly is gaslighting? Uh Sherry Gordon, she uh, printed an article which gets right to uh, the heart of what it is because we've all experienced it. Gaslighting is a kind of manipulation that develops in abusive interactions. Can you repeat that one more time? Because that's a succinct definition. Go ahead. Gaslighting is a kind of manipulation yep. mm-hmm. that develops in abusive interactions. I'm going to give you a classic example sure. of this. It's an insidious and often covert version of psychological misuse, a spot where the bully or abuser helps to make the target matter, their unique judgments and fact. In the end, the target of gaslighting begins to ask yourself, if they're losing her sanity. Gaslighting mainly happens in dating and hitched affairs, but it's not unusual for it to occur in controlling relationships or among family unit members also. Uh, Dangerous, everyone utilizes form of mental misuse to use power over others so that you can change company, friends, or even colleagues. Gaslighting was a technique that undermines all your opinion of real life. An individual is gaslighting your, you frequently, you second-guess yourself, your memory, as well as your ideas. After communicating with the individual gaslighting, you're kept, you're kept, your, your experience is kept dazed and thinking if you, if you have something very wrong with you. Tactics such as these can confuse both you and cause you to query the wisdom and overall psychological state. Let's stop for a second there, a minute, Jess, because yep. that happens to moral people oh, God. all of the time when they say, what? You're against abortion? What? For what reason? I mean, come on, a woman has a right. What's your issue? And then they come down that's on you. Gaslighting. That's gaslighting. Continue, Jess. Yeah. Uh, individuals who gaslight include, individuals who do gaslighting, Include habitual and pathological liars. Yep. 
They might blatantly sit, sit your face and never back or transform their particular tales, even if, you're, if you refer to them as a way or render proof of their unique deception. They may state something similar to you, like you're creating affairs right up that never have taken place. Lying may be the foundation of the harmful behavior. Even if you know these are generally sleeping, they may be extremely persuasive. Overall, you begin to second-guess yourself. That's important right there. You begin yeah, to second-guess yeah. yourself. Yeah, so gaslighting is generally done by bullies, people yep. in position of powers. Yep. They look at the person that they're gaslighting as an abuse. You're, you're the abused. Mm-hmm. They're the abuser. They generally use lies to try to psychologically manipulate you. I'll give you an example of gaslighting. Go for it. Okay? Yeah. Here's, here's one. The communists are, this is very known amongst communism. They'll go into a classroom in Cuba, Venezuela, some other communist country, and, uh, and they will say, okay, here's the Bible, pray to God, and let's see if you guys get some ice cream. So the Cuban kids, you know, they're, they're given a prayer, and they're praying to God that God would give them ice cream. Then the communist uh, teacher will say, notice that none of you guys got ice cream. Prayer doesn't work. This thing is false. There's no God. You guys have been lied to. Now, <laughs> ask Fidel Castro to give you some ice cream. Okay, uh, Mr. Fidel Castro, can you give us some ice cream? All of a sudden, the doors fly open, and there's an ice cream man catering the, the entire class. Then the teacher says, see, when you ask Castro for ice cream, did you see what happened immediately? This is gaslighting. Yep. This is an, an extreme example of it. But this, by the way, this is this is a constant technique that happens in communist countries, uh, uh, and uh, Satanists do the same thing with Christians yep. when they when they try to break them from Christianity into Satanism. Yep. What, and essentially, what gaslight? I'll give you a simple definition. Mm. It's making you question your psychological fitness. You, you start thinking, "Wow, I thought one plus one was two all my life, but I guess I've been wrong all my life because this teacher." This president, this governor, this chief of police, this bishop tells me one plus one is three. I guess I've been wrong all my life. I need to really change that data in my mind. And I need to conform with these guys because, yeah, I guess one plus one is three. So gaslighting is psychological manipulation by a bully. It happens all the Not only by bullies. Can I say something? Also on the marriage was yeah. wives or husbands could be gaslighting each other. You have to acknowledge mm. this. Just mm. think about this. One of the things, the statements they said in this article about trivializing your feelings permit gaslighters to get power over you. They could create statements like, Terry, relax, you're overreacting. Or why are you so sensitive and painful? See, they're really pointing, as Jess just said, this is really, I'll tell you who gaslights us, the culture. And mm-hmm. Jesse, your comment about communism, I bet friends that are from Cuba. They did exactly what you just said. They told me the same story that yeah. Fidel Castro will give you candy, will give you ice cream. What can you relate? No, there's no God. And this is gaslighting, and it's going on right now in our schools big time. Uh, you're absolutely right. Gaslighting, <coughs> this, is, this is an insidious. It is. But it's a very common technique used by bullies, people in position of power. Yeah. And they they use psychological manipulation, and and it's it's usually produced by it's usually one person doing the gaslighting. They they pick their victims. They know who are soft targets, and they'll and they'll pick on that person 
for an extended period of time to break them down. It, the, the, these gaslighters, who again, they're bullies, they're psychological bullies, they usually do this through an extended period of time to try to gradually undermine the victim's confidence in his own ability to distinguish truth from falsehood, right from wrong, or reality from experience. And, and there, therefore, the person that's being gaslit, they're basically uh, making you believe that you're, you're pathologically disturbed. You know, you can't even think rationally. And the one that's the victim of, of being gaslit, they become pathologically dependent on the bully, on the gaslighter, and they want to conform their thinking or their feelings to the bully, the gaslighter. Yeah, Terry, this is evil. This is used by Marxists. This is used by by Masons, and this is used by modernists. And I want to just give a story of a young woman who's an apologist, not formal apologist. She just knows her faith. She was telling me the story where they were gaslighting her at a college about her religion. And she turned it not from, hey, well, let me open up the Bible and show you apologetics. They're not going to want to hear that. You know what she did? She said, well, can you explain to me why people who have a belief in God and a relationship with their creator are much happier and they have a lot less uh, depression? And it goes, she, she gave all these statistics about families with, you know, with, with kids and they live a, a centered life on God and they're happier than secular people. Can you explain that to me, please? But you see what she did is she turned it on that gaslight here to say, no, 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 no. You've got the problem, but you don't believe in religion. I'm going to be a happier person. They weren't able to explain apologetics Bible stuff, but my point was I thought she made a good point to the individual because guess what happened? They stopped condemning her about her religion. Go for it. Uh, That's that's an interesting approach. I have not used that approach, Jesse. Have you? Uh, I haven't. No, no, that's that's a good approach. It was a different one. I always use Bible. They don't care about the Bible, right? No, they don't. They don't. But what about happiness? She just she used Terry. What she just used was natural law arguments. Yeah. And, and because the the facts bear this out. In, in fact, in my book, yeah. keep plug here. Lord, prepare my hands for battle. I remember that section. I have a section in my book. Yep. Where I'm flipping over to it right now. Yeah. Where I talk about. The, who are the happiest people in the world exactly. according to medical science, not according to the Bible, right. not according to a papal document, uh, according to raw data. It's important. Yeah. That section is called the benefits of going to church on Sunday, the benefits of going to church on Sunday. Yep. And what I do there, Terry, is I give 25 reasons where people and and these are all from like Harvard, Yale, Cambridge, you know all the all yeah. the, the the Ivy League universities. Sure. Sure. I'm not you know I'm not quoting Bazooka Bubblegum. <laughs> and what and what all the studies say, Terry, is that people that go to church and have a, a life of prayer, they I'll, I'll just quote one of many many stati- I just flipped over to the page here. Here's one. Okay, page uh, argument number fifteen that I have. There's an additional average life expectancy of eight years for people of faith and prayer that go to church versus people that don't go. Here's another one. Here's uh, point number 13 of my book, Lord, Prepare My Hands for Battle. The University of California at Los Angeles School of Medicine found that alcohol abuse is 300% higher among men who do not attend church. Did you catch that? Yes. 300% higher among men who don't attend church. Here's one more. Teens who attend church 
are four times less likely to commit suicide. I mean, Terry, the the the, the facts right. are on our side, and the science is on our side. Yep. I'll, I'll give you one more before you go to the next break. Oh, this is great. Yeah, this is here's another one. Yeah, uh, this is from uh, uh, a book called Alienated America. Uh, Doctor Tim Carney. He says this: those who attend church once a week are five times less likely to commit suicide as adults. Yep. Five times less uh, adults are five times less likely to commit suicide if you go to church once a week. Again, why? Because when you go to church and you think and meditate about God, what meditation does is meditation, especially extended meditation and prayer, what it does, it it triggers the neurotransmitters in your brain and your brain releases endorphins, serotonin and dopamine, which are the natural antidepressants that God put in your brain. And they're the the natural chemicals God put in your in your brain to flood the entire body with this feeling of wellness and with the zest and this vim vigor and vitality for life. Jesse, you just gave people a solution when they get gaslighted about their religion, how to handle it. <laughs> no, really, take a check right out of that book of Jesse's and ask the people questions. Well, why is it that religious people are the happiest people on the planet? And they live longer. They're healthier. These are things that you can do. So don't take it and just go, oh, I don't know what to say. We have answers. Natural law is on our side. Hey, Jess, when we come sure back, is. we're going to talk about another important fact about the evidence demonstrating that there's a strong correlation. A happier society would have more children between happiness and large families. Wow, did that get blown by us the last 50 years since Hermione Vitae. People think less children, more happiness. No, just the opposite. Stay with us, family. We're here to inspire you to fall deeper in love with Jesus and his church. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. By the way, the month of February is dedicated to the Holy Family. Add this to your prayer at the end of your prayers. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, <laughs> we love you. Save souls. Amen, brother. Hey, hey, just also, today is Thursday, dedicated to the Holy Eucharist. We pray before the Blessed Sacrament for priests, bishops, and the Pope. If you can remember your great love, remember Padre Peel said that every time that priest holds the host up, the sacred host, you know, that we should tremble with awe because that's Jesus Christ. So let's let's kind of renew our love for the Holy Eucharist on Thursdays. That's that's the point there also. Continue, Amen. Yeah, Terry, there's new evidence that's demonstrating there's a strong correlation between happiness and large families. Oh, yeah. Margaret Sanger didn't get the memo, I guess. <laughs> and the link between between both is religious faith. So church militants Paul Morano, who's got a PhD, by the way, an earned PhD. Yeah, yeah, not, a, not, not a fake PhD. He's got, a, uh, he's got an earned PhD. Yeah. He examines the social science, which lends further proof of the church's divine wisdom. There's a new survey from the National Opinion Research Center that reveals two basic things. A happy population is one that flourishes with procreation. <laughs> not death, by the way, Fauci. Yeah. That, I, I inserted that. that it's, not, it's not in the article. No. And Americans are now less happy than they've ever been in over 50 years. Natasha Grace, a YouTube personality, said, quote, something just pounds on my brain saying, you're not happy, close quote. <laughs> the data shows an epidemic of loneliness and depression. 
exacerbated by COVID lockdowns, has taken its toll. Only 19% of Americans say they're very happy, while 24% admit they're not, ha- they're not too happy. Boiled down, the survey shows two primary causes, a lack of faith and the breakdown of the family. Bingo, yeah. bingo. You nailed it. Steve Hilton, host of The Next Revolution on Fox News, says, quote, And we see the disaster all around us. The kids without fathers, the broken homes, the impact on their lives. Just look at the what happens every week, Terry, in the city of Chicago. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah exhibit A. With regard to faith, psychologist, professor, and author Dr. Lisa Miller found religious people are much less likely to suffer major depression than religious than relig- and that religiosity actually look at this good thickens the cerebral cortex. Is that interesting? <laughs> Your oh. brain gets fatter. Yep. <laughs> when you're a person of faith, it gets thicker. Yep. Okay. Sadly, a recent a Pew Research poll shows almost a third of American adults have no religious affiliation and a lack of faith is linked to a lack of children. America's annual birth rate fell six straight years, reaching its lowest point ever in 2020. It's now half of what it was in the early 1960s before the sexual revolution began with the birth control pill. Uh, Ken Niebuhr, Catholic father of seven and former stay-at-home dad, says, quote, it makes sense that having more children would make you happier because it really pulls away the delusions of pursuing happiness in material things. What a, what a powerful story. Well, Jesse, do you remember Bishop Sheen's Life is Worth Living, the first yep. CD? He says, go out and help your neighbor. Well, go out and serve. The, most, the people are the happiest people are those who are not serving themselves but others. And when we figure that one out as a culture, our culture will get back its feet. Terry, that, you're, there's just a, a comedian... That came over, I think she's on Vegas. I forget her name. Somebody sent it, sent her, me the video. Yeah. And she was uh, saying that the most important thing for us to do is to serve yourself. When she said that, she fell down on stage and hit her head. Oh, no. And right now she's got, uh, she's got brain damage. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Last yeah. thing to say. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. But she, she took a shot at Jesus on stage. Yeah. And then she said the best thing that we could do is, you know, be, is just to be, serve ourselves. And then she just slipped and fell. She's not even an old lady. She's a young lady. She she hit her head on stage, and now she's in the hospital. She's got brain brain problems. Oh, uh, what God a have, God, have, God have mercy on her Amen. soul. Amen. Yeah. So um, fewer people are getting married, according to a 2020 report from the Institute for Family Studies. Uh, never married adults have increased over a hundred percent since 1970. Incredible. And it's no surprise since the divorce rate hovered at around 50%. Yeah. Th- these are not good statistics. No, they're not. This sounds to me like the Fatima consequences. The final battle. Uh, the Fatima. final battle against marriage and family. Yep. It's also no surprise that sins of lust are primary factors in divorce, according to uh, 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 divorce lawyers that I've read. Oh, yeah. Pornography. A, a two- yeah. A 2019 Florida state found attitudes toward premarital sex are a major factor. Yep. This was confirmed in a 2019 survey showing married couples who've had sexual relations only with their spouses were markedly happier than those who had other intimate partners before marriage. Further, couples using artificial contraception are much more likely to divorce. The church has always taught sexual intimacy belongs only in marriage and that large families are a blessing from God. uh, Ken Newber, he says, quote, that's where happiness lies in love, close quote. So these studies, Terry, prove what has always been true. 
People who live contrary to Catholic doctrine cannot be happy, and the average fertility rate in America has been decreasing since the Industrial Revolution from, from seven children to the, to back in the 18th century to around four in 1960 to less than two in recent times, and in Europe, Terry, yes, uh, one. one. Yeah. So more technology doesn't always mean more flourishing and happiness. And you know, Jesse, what's ironic about this, <coughs> the communist China, Red China, is now encouraging their women to have three or four children. Same with Russia. Yes, because they realize their mistake of 40, 50 years that they're not going to be around if they don't have children. I mean, we, we say that here in America, uh, we're, we're you know, contracepting our country out of existence. And the thing about it, Jesse, is let's be honest. Ask yourself right now, you, you and I are both grandfathers, yeah. And you know, I have that picture of you with the kids and Anita uh, on my refrigerator. I pray for you guys, and I see the. Thank I look you. at those little kids, and I go, man, I there's there. I seen those their kids, kids. I've seen it brought joy just for me to look yes. at this next generation. Yes. That's what it was meant to do. It's it's because we're focusing on children. This is where our happiness lies. This is because it's a godly thing to do. What did the Bible say? Go out and multiply right be fruitful right. not contracept and so when we stop having this biblical world view and we have a worldly view we're not going to be happy bottom line yeah terry uh he's the lord said it to adam and eve and he said it to uh he said it to noah and his wife yeah so he said it twice in scripture be fruitful and multiply yep, yep. And, and a lot of people think oh but uh it costs money i think what a lot of people they, they're 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 afraid by the globalist they're uh, they're told these lies that yep. there's there, we're going to run out of food. Uh, there's not enough space on the planet. We're going to oh, yeah. uh, do damage to the planet. Yep, Terry, that is all pure propaganda. It certainly is. Yes, it's been proven to be. Steve Mosher on his website, right. he shows the data that the entire world, every <laughs> yeah. human being on planet Earth, fits in the state of Texas. <laughs> They could have about ten by ten foot square space to themselves and not touch the next human being. Yeah. And so, Terry, uh, God is not going to give us a command, be fruitful and multiply, if he thinks that we're going to fall off of the face of the earth it's, in 2000. It's all about trust, Jesse. Let me just say this. The trust that we have with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Ask for stronger faith every day, because without that, you won't have the faith to have more children. I mean it, yeah. because the world is going to pressure you. They're going to gaslight you and say, hey, yeah. don't you know how children are brought forth? Come on, lady. Stop having, you know what? I've heard that say that. They've said that to ladies. I've seen it. I said, man, that, that's just gaslighting to the hill. Terry, and, and, and even there was a statement made by the Vatican a couple of years ago, and it, it pained me to hear that there was a high-ranking Vatican prelate that, that you know, made a comment about, uh, you know, about women quit copulating like... Uh, rabbits. Rabbits. That, that's, that's, that's a very hurtful statement coming from a is. prelate, Terry. It's embarrassing. And you know what, Jesse? Yeah. This is why we need to be what you're doing, the reparation this weekend you're going to be doing for the Satanists. But also, we need to be doing reparation for Holy Mother of the Church because comments like that do not support a biblical worldview. And so we're worldliness that's gotten into the church. How do we resolve that? By living holy lives. Let me just give a quick catechesis in one minute on the sacrament of marriage. Yes. Here's what the church has taught for 2,000 years. I know it's de-emphasized right now by the current uh, people teaching uh, at the New Institute over in Rome that was started by John Paul II. But, uh, but here's what the church has always taught, that 
um, the sacrament of marriage is is four F's: free, faithful, fruitful, and forever. Yep. In other words, a sacrament of marriage, there's no force, no no coercion, no gaslighting, no threatening a person to marry you. Right. It's freely entered into. There must be a willing consent by both parties. There cannot be any absolute coercion. You got to be a baptized man and a woman that freely enter into the contract of marriage by their free consent. Point number two, faithfulness. Both of you are entering into a covenant of love based on faithfulness to God and faithfulness to each other. Number three, openness to life. That's called fruitfulness, which means that, again, you're living out the commission that God has given Adam and Eve and Noah be fruitful and multiply. And also you're called to be the first and primary educators of your children, not the public schools. And the last F is forever, which which is where we say till death do us part. A ratified consummated marriage cannot be dissolved by any human power for any other reason other than death. And that's in the catechism of the Catholic Church. And just so you know, May 7th, Dr. Sandoval, my wife and I are going to be doing a marriage seminar Awesome. Yep, all day. We got confessions before Mass at 5. It starts at 9 a.m. It's an all-day seminar. And the way to register is go to vmpr.org or call us at 877-526-2151. I'm going to be using a lot of Fulton Sheen's Three to Get Married. Also going to be using Cardinal Seurat's book, Couples Awaken Your Love, and much, much more with Dr. Sandoval and Mary Danielle, my wife. And I would encourage you to help have stronger family by having mom and dad learn how to stay in love and to love their family. Jesse, one more time. What's going on again this weekend for those who just... Friday, tuned? Saturday, and Sunday, the Temple of Saints coming to Scottsdale, Arizona, to the Saguaro Hotel. Yep. Hundreds and thousands of Catholics are going to gather over there to do prayers of reparation. We're asking you to fast on Friday. We're asking you to be in a state of grace. Go to confession. I just went to confession about three hours ago. Good. Go to Mass that morning. Uh, bring your rosaries. That We're going to do... Uh, called the grace of God, the conversion, the grace of conversion upon their soul. We're also praying prayers of protection for all those people in Scottsdale. Pray for us. Join us in prayer wherever you're at in the country. Amen. And I got people texting me, hey, what time can we pray at our chapel? We'll get back with you on that. It's from the noon to the three o'clock hour, the time Jesus was on the cross. What a great time to do it. Jesse, what state should we be living in, brother? State of grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. Uh, Become holy or die trying. And do not be afraid, as as it says in the Bible over 300 times, only believe. We've got Dr. Sandoval up next here on our network. If you can't get it on your AM station, go to VMPR, download the free app, and you'll have all of the shows that we produce here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Don't forget Father Chad Ripperker, the Spiritual Warfare Conference. Those talks are outstanding. If you couldn't make it because it was sold out, get the recordings by going to VMPR.com. Dot org, Virgin Most Powerful Radio.org, or call us on the phone and we'll send them 877 526 2151. May God richly bless you and your family.